You're listening to the Geekscape Network. Time to fire up the VCR. This one's my favorite. Welcome to Analog Jones in the Temple of Film. I'm Steve, and we're a VHS podcast that looks at the box art trailers behind the scenes. And this week, we have a returning special guest, a man that needs no introduction, but I'm going to do it anyway. Matt Kelly from Horror Movie Night. Hey, I almost was going to say I'm not a returning guest, but I forgot I was on that Happy Time Murders episode. Yeah, where the puppets aren't that funny. No, and I found out something at the convention I was just at is that uh, one of the puppeteers, specifically the puppeteer for the octopus, was Tar Man from Return of the Living Dead. Oh, no shit. That's awesome. Yeah. he After after Return of the Living Dead, he just started working for the Henson Corporation and has been doing all types of projects since like the early 80s. I was checking his projects and uh, he even did puppeteering for the Muppet Vision 3D at Disney World. So I was like, well, that's pretty dope. Yeah, it is. You know what isn't dope? The movie called The Vineyard. Something beyond horror is happening here. Within this island. Inside this mansion. And underneath this earth. A secret that lies buried. Vineyard. This is a passageway to unholy evil. An evil ruled by one man. A man without a soul. Show me away, Lord! Who survives on the souls of others. They must die so that he may live. fears come alive the vineyard yeah this was a little bit of a weird one but man what a cover because that's what got me to buy it from VHSPS. so you'll have to tell me what your cover is because our cover that we have here is James Wong or James Hong in makeup with a like lightning all behind him and he's drinking wine. Okay, so ours is he's all old and like decrepit looking and he's holding a vial in his hand and looking at it uh, in a very like Hamlet pure Yorick kind of way. Do you have the lightning all in the background that's like flashing kind of looks like it's coming out of his ears? Let me double check real quick. Hold on a second. Oh, yeah. No, he's got some light. It looks like the lightning is actually coming out of the glass in this one. So he's got the glass of wine and then there's the elixir right in the front. And it just says an island of death fueled by the blood of its victims starring James Hong. And then in parentheses, 
Big Trouble in Little China, Golden Child, The Black Widow. Yeah, yours is just a tad bit different, I think, because I don't have that. I have widescreen presentation on mine. But either way, yeah, when I saw this VHS cover and then I saw who it was, James Hong, I'm like, well, this looks weird. I'm totally buying it. Yeah, it's a it's a strange one. And I think I bought it because we've been trying to do this specific episode for almost a year. Uh, At one point, you had sent me like a video rip of it and then scheduling became a nightmare. And then I was at I think it was Monster Mania and they had replenished their copies of the vineyard. So I uh, made sure to grab it when I was trying to get my five for twenty five dollars. Well, it's directed and written by a uh, creepy old man. No, it's not Bill Cosby. Is it Harvey Weinstein? Nope. It's the other less known creepy guy who apparently likes to fondle women throughout the entire movie. This had to be written and directed by James Wong just because he wanted to touch a bunch of 25 year old girls. Yeah, you look at this and he's got an acting credit, a producing credit, a story credit, a screenplay credit and a directing credit. So this was really a a passion of love for him. Love for titties. Yeah. There are so many girls that do not need to be accepting roles to be topless in the vineyard in this movie. Like you're just kind of like, there's a certain level of schlock where you should just kind of be like, Oh, this is a bad idea for me. Well, he had to be writing a high from big trouble in little China, right? True. True. This was pre-Wayne's World 2. Yeah. Oh, well, Wayne's World 2, that was in the 90s. Yeah, that's what I meant. This was this was predates it. Yeah. Because that's what I know him from, which is embarrassing. Yeah, I don't know how they got this together because a lot of the makeup, while would look good if you and I did it, it kind of feels like a Goosebumps episode makeup level. Oh, my God. There's the one scene where he reveals that he's wearing a mask, and I'm like, the only way that this pulls off as like an actual scare is the fact that it's not that far off from the real makeup when he's like an old man. (laughs) Like it's so clearly a mask. I heard, I don't know if this is true. I didn't look it up, but I heard he was 60 years old when he made this movie. So how old is he now? 1000. I think that, yeah, that math at the, yeah, that's right. That's how the math works for that. Cause yeah, he, you know, it's like dog years. So like every year is about seven or eight years. Let's read the back of this VHS. I've got, yes, here we go. Here's the little tagline. Something beyond the whore is happening in the vineyard. Veteran actor James Hong from Blade Runner and Chinatown co-wrote, co-directed and stars in this horror shocker as Dr. Ellison Poe, a master winemaker with a mysterious past and a voracious appetite for beautiful women. But when Poe lures a group of lusty young actresses to his secluded island winery, his guests find themselves trapped in a deadly weekend of sexual brutality and black magic. Will these nubile prisoners survive the fury of Poe's depraved henchmen? What is the shocking ingredient in Poe's precious wine? And who can contain the horrific army of undead that lies buried in the vineyard? So I, I want to read the back of mine because it's completely different, but both of them seem to have this idea that they need to really expand on the entire plot line on the back of the box. <laughs> mine says, take a tour of the vineyard, a terrifying excursion into the depths of horror, where bloody secrets are buried in the soil and the vines are ripe with evil. Dr. Poe, James Hong, 
is a man whose obsession with the forbidden secrets of immortality has turned him into an expert in black magic. For centuries, he has survived by drinking a hideous potion contorted from the blood of young women, wine from the vineyard fertilized by the bodies of young men, and particles scraped from the mysterious jade amulet, uh, amulet. To feed his voracious appetite for blood and bodies, Poe lures young victims to his island of death, and one by one they are struck down by his dark magic to join the other victims in their demonic dungeons. In the blood-chilling climax, the guardian of the amulet awakens the island's dead who overwhelm and kill Poe. But can anything that evil stay dead for long? Running time, 95 minutes. Wow, your description was so long. <laughs> and it tells you how the movie ends. <laughs> I, I guess they just, like, maybe if we tell you everything, you won't be surprised. Maybe you'll buy it. I, I don't know. <laughs> As you were reading yours, I was like, I can't read along because mine's super different. But mine has a spoiler in the back of the box. Well, this is truly a movie that throws everything at you. There was black magic. There's young actresses trying to get ahead. There's fondling of young women. There's people chained up in a basement. There's zombies for some damn reason. There's a flashback to a mom and a samurai. And then we have like all these diverse henchmen. We had a Chinese henchman, two big black henchmen, one with long hair, one with short hair and a fat redhead henchman. (laughs) And then you had a white trash henchman. I was like, what is going on here? (laughs) Now, what I like about this movie is that it's basically just the wine version of Motel Hell when you really think about it. But I uh, my favorite character is the random strong guy who talks like Bill, uh, Bill and Ted throughout the movie when he's just like. You know, oh, yeah. They're introducing all these characters. He's like, Dr. Poe, most excellent to come and hang out at your vineyard, sir. <laughs> and you're just like, oh, wow, this is 1989. This is definitely 1989. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, to set it up, it's they already did it. We've read the descriptions, but a bunch of actors go to this secluded island where he makes wine. But my biggest question is, did Dr. Poe make wine or did he make blood? That he just drank that I've, looked like wine. I think it was blood mixed into the wine. Did the wine make him younger or the amulet? Well, he drank the wine and then he became younger. But is that only because of the amulet? I guess you could conclude that maybe. I, the movie's got a I, lot I of know. questions that the back of the boxes don't want to answer. No. And, and without the back of the box, we will never get an explanation. I, I just don't get there was so much shit in here. I couldn't figure out if they just had a bunch of props lying around and that's what told the story or if someone actually wrote this shit down. I mean, according to the back of my my box, uh, James Hong wrote it. <laughs> <So>. Yeah. <laughs> or co-wrote it, whatever that means. <laughs> did you um, did you get any trailers at the start of yours? Because mine had one trailer and I kind of wish we were watching that instead, to be totally frank. No, didn't get a trailer. What'd you get? I got pin. From 1988, which is an amazing Canadian horror film that uh, most people haven't seen. Uh, Well, no, I didn't get any trailers and that sucks. But I do have a lot of questions. Uh, But before we get into the questions, I do have one statement. Right when this movie starts, it shows Dr. Poe, whatever the guy's name is, shooting at a dog trying to, I think, unbury a zombie. And right away, I was like, if you want me to hate a character... 
in the first five minutes have him shooting at a dog. I was like, yeah. fuck you, James Hong. Which also, like, side note, these zombies, quote unquote, don't seem like they've been buried very well. Like, they're, no, they're like head and arms are just very clearly visible from from the ground. No, they're very just kind of lack lackadaisical with how they bury their dead. So I'm assuming these dead zombies are what happens to his victims after he drains them of all their blood. But they never explain that, do they? Yeah. So like, that's the thing. According to the back of the box, which is not what it is explained in the movie, that he survives on the blood that's from young women and that the wine in the vineyard is fertilized by the body of the men. So, wow, that was (laughs) never in the movie. If it's not in the back of that box. No, you know, your movie's bad when you have to read the VHS description to understand it. Yeah, no, it is. This is not a good movie. It's not even like, like, I don't know when I'm ever going to pop this in again. Probably never. Yeah, I'm with you on that. What a cover. (laughs) (laughs) Like, this movie really does represent, like, when you talk about how the 80s knew how to make a cover that could sell you dog shit, like, this is the, this is a prime example. Well, yeah, and see, at the beginning of this movie, He's, you know, seducing this young woman, uh, this young woman who wants nothing to do with him and then bangs the mechanic. And, he ha- and then he has to send his little bitty henchman with a really bad mustache and kind of a kind of a uh, mullet going on. Just a bit. Uh, like a early. Yeah. And then he's got that huge knife. But I love how we get a little pitchfork foo. Yeah. Right before his death. When he has the line castrate him. And yes. then <laughs> like <laughs> this movie is bonkers like this, but like it, it sucks because like in a slightly more capable hand, this could be really fun to watch, but it never really gets fully fun to watch. It's just weird. Yeah. Well, I think they were trying to do weird like James Carpenter or not James Carpenter, uh, like Carp- John Carpenter did in Big Trouble in Little China, where there's so much shit going on, but it worked because you had, you know, Carpenter and all of his people doing it. This small crew, whoever put this together, just didn't understand how to get all these mismatched parts and put them together. And to me, they're just like, we'll just do a bunch of scenes and then fix it in editing. Yeah, no, Didn't I mean, work. I I think that that's a really good way to sum it up, because like there's moments where I'm just like, what is happening? Like there's the dance sequence that goes way too long. Like a lot of this movie oh, goes yeah. way too long. That's the other big thing. I know this like, movie drags and it's only 90 minutes. Yeah, like the And I feel like a big chunk of this movie was we promised that this movie was going to be 90 minutes. So we need to like find a way to make that work yeah. out for us. You know, James Wong or whatever, Dr. Poe gets all these actors from this really creepy gay German agent. (laughs) I think his accent was German. (laughs) I don't know. Up for debate. (laughs) Yeah. And then uh, he brings him a bunch of actors and he's done it a bunch of times and he gets payments. And apparently if he asks for a raise, he gets killed by Ivan, my favorite henchman, the fat, curly headed redhead. (laughs) <laughs> curly haired, redhead, fat henchmen. I love it. They they get a bunch of these and they're most stereotypical 80s people. We've got the smart guy. 
we've got the beautiful blonde who actually was a Playboy playmate. And her character's name was Jezebel Fairchild. Holy yeah. shit. That's that's so like 70s, 80s. <laughs> and every time someone yelled Jezebel, I cracked up. Yeah, well, that's the thing, like, because I guess, you know, at a certain point, you're only like half watching this movie because it is not attention grabbing. And like, nope, I didn't catch that her actual name was Jezebel. I thought that they were basically just like calling her a harlot. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, yeah, it was just, man, this movie would be better with Dusty Rhodes, though. That Jezebel. <laughs> <laughs> uh, just stick some more wrestlers in there. It'd be amazing. Yeah, I would listen. Yeah. You recast yeah. this with Ric Flair, Dusty Rhodes and Macho Man Randy Savage. Now you got a movie. <laughs> now, now I'm interested in the vineyard. <laughs> yeah. Who's going to be making the wine, though? Is that Dusty? Or no, I think that's more of a Ric Flair thing. No, Ric Flair's definitely the guy who's running the vineyard and taking yeah. girls to Space Mountain. That's pure. That's pure Flair right there. Uh, Macho Man would definitely be the broy guy. Dusty Rhodes is the filmmaker who's like reading in the books and and figuring out the mystery for himself. Yeah. Okay. I like this recasting. I think we have something here. Yeah. Because, like, imagine Dusty confronting Ric Flair in that one scene. He's like, listen here, Mr. Flair. <laughs> this piece of newspaper clipping right here says that you've been alive for over 100 years. How do you answer for yourself? Ooh. <laughs> like... <laughs> oh, shit. I was enjoying listening to your little lisp there. Yeah, well, and then they resolve everything at Starcast. <laughs> Starcade. Starcade. You and I. Vineyard match. Loser leaves town. <laughs> Ric Flair just. Ric Flair slaps the sword. Or the, no, what is it? He was wearing the. Uh, slaps the, little, the amulet. <laughs> yeah, slaps the amulet out of his hand. You ain't taking jump. me down. Woo! Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, side note, since we got on to Ric Flair somehow, uh, you know, I work very closely with helping car dealerships merchandise their vehicles. And when I was looking at one of the videos that a car dealership had shot of their car, the one guy out of nowhere, two minutes in the video, he's showing off the truck and he just goes, because if you buy this truck, you'll be styling and profiling. Yes, my brother. Woo. And I was like, (laughs) Oh shit, we got a wrestling fan here. (laughs) That's great. Uh, you know, what wasn't great was trying to figure out the freaking dance scene, which you already brought up. But this oh, is my notes. Jesus. Why is James Poe or whatever? Why is Dr. Poe dancing? What the hell's going on? Why are they wearing costumes? Why is there a zombie outside the door? Why does Jezebel seem to fall in love with Dr. Poe? Why? 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 <laughs> I feel like the only explanation that I can come up with is that James Hong was like, you know what would be great is like, I really, really have to update my acting reel, but I don't feel like going through all of my old movies. So what if I just make sure that all of my range is covered in a single movie and I can send that out as my acting reel from here on out? Well, he hit it. Yeah. And they never, like, I didn't understand. I guess the zombie that was outside of the door there was supposed to be his zombie mother, but they never really tell you what's going on with the random, like just wandering around zombie. Uh, They kind of do. They, they like hint on it at the end, but 
you know, at least when the um, the kids were eating like the treats at the party and the one guy goes, oh, tastes like spider. At least that came back because I was yeah. really worried that that really awkward line was just in there and they and they just left it in. But then later on, one of the characters has spiders hatch out of her mouth. I mean, I will say that scene was great. Uh, my favorite kill is the acupuncture death because it's the only one that's like, oh, that's something I've never seen before. Yeah, I agree. And I also didn't know that ac- acupuncture made your libido speed up. That sounds like a correct science. Yeah, no, I, I yeah, this whole <laughs> movie, this whole movie. Well, and you know what's also funny is the main guy who like saves them at the end, the blonde dude. I don't know his name. At all. All I know is he was trying to hook up with Jazabelle and she wanted nothing to do with him. Yeah. Well, he had that acupuncture just pumping through his veins. Well, no, that was the other guy. The other athlete who I don't even remember them introducing who was just there. Yeah, well, I mean, I'm assuming that that was part of the when we introduced the first four people, he's just like, let's meet the rest of the party. And then it just jump cuts to the dancing scene. So, like, oh, okay. So th- I was wondering where all these other people came from. Th- they're like, okay, they were late to the party, so to speak, or whatever. Yeah. All or right, just in time, depending on how you like to party. Yeah. He, well, you, you got to arrive uh, fashionably late, yeah. which Jazabelle did. I like the party. That's right. And it, it really just frustrated me throughout this trying to figure out why there is a flashback to his mom. And then at the end of the movie, the amulet made his mom uh, transform back to herself into a ghost. Yeah, nothing. None of it makes sense. But like that scene in particular was like he was going to. It was almost like what they were trying to say was he was about to kill this guy. But then he remembered that he has a sword in his hand and a sword killed his mother. So I'm not going to kill this guy now. Like, that was like the logic I feel like they were trying to give us. But like, yeah, I don't know. It didn't make any fucking sense. None of it made sense. Yeah. And Jeremy, that was the name of the character. Is like, he's the only one who figures Dr. Poe out. But how could you not know Dr. Poe was a creep? Yeah. Well, and like, so this is the thing that always bothers me in these, um, you know, Fountain of, Fountain of Youth movies or whatever. Like, I forget which movie or book or whatever. There was something I read where people live forever. And, like, maybe it was, oh, it was um Interview with the Vampire. They explained that, like, you have to live a certain amount of time and then you have to kill yourself off and move somewhere else. Because eventually people were, are going to notice that you've been around for a really long time and haven't aged a day. But, like... This dude is publicly having wine. He is an infamous man who runs a winery. So, like, where is his exit plan on this living forever without people figuring it out plan? I don't know, because he doesn't have a son or anything. I, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, you think he'd almost have to, like, plan out his escape, you know, about, I don't know, 25 years in. Like, well, I'm going to have to, you know 
figure this out? Do I burn down this winery and then start a new one? But even then, like if he does that, people are still going to be like, man, that guy looks exactly like Dr. Poe. And also his wine tastes exactly the same as Dr. Poe's. I'm pretty sure that this guy's Dr. Poe. You figured it out, detective. Yeah, Yeah, you're right. It it just I mean, this movie's not thinking that far ahead. But, you you know, when they period, yeah, it's not. Yeah, (laughs) it's it's just reacting. Hey, look, I found this mask. Cool. I'll put it on and dance at a party and then trick everyone. It's pretty shitty mask. I don't care. And what a shitty trick. Like, let's be let's be upfront about that much. That trick sucked. The whole party. And then the creepy agent who was hitting on the guy in drag. (laughs) Like, yeah, very noticeably in drag. Yes. Yeah. Like, I was like, oh, we're I really thought they're going to go down that avenue. Like maybe he'd give him some drugs and fondle him a little bit. I'm. It's possible because it's 1989 and this movie has no self-respect for itself. But like, it's the laziest drag known to man. Like RuPaul would have told them to sashay away if they had come up on that runway like that. Because it's just a wig. He's just wearing a wig. He's wearing his regular ass clothes and a wig. Like there's nothing that even remotely screams, I'm actually a woman. It says... I'm a guy who's going to a party and think that this is still funny and acceptable in 2019. That's the costume that he's wearing. Yep. And I guess my last question is the very end where he's doing this ceremony on Jezebel and we have no idea why he's chosen Jezebel. At least I didn't catch it that no. I don't know. Cause she's blonde and has big boobs. I'm sure that's mostly it. I I think it's mostly just who he's feeling like bone in that particular night is who is like the special one. Yeah, at least in Big Trouble, you know, we had it because they were green eyes. You know, the girls had the special green eyes and they're the ones he's got to marry and yada, yada, whatever that is. This one. Nope, just blonde. And. So he's doing all this ceremony and all the zombies are rising and we find out the only way to kill the zombies is with sacred earth, which is just a bag of dirt. Yeah, it's a very uh, convenient plot point. (laughs) Yeah, but what I don't get is like if it kills them, how come you just don't bury them in sacred dirt? Um, Do we need to go back to the box that I read where those bodies have to fertilize the vineyard? Oh, okay, man. This is a long process to stay forever young. You have to capture men, turn them into zombies to fertilize your grapes. Then you have to pluck the grapes, turn it into wine, mix it with the same with the girls, the young girl's blood, and then drink it with the amulet. Yeah, no, it's 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 very involved. It's a lot different than my way of. Staying Forever Young, which is listening to Alphaville and singing along to the song Forever Young. And you got to keep rocking, bruh. <laughs> yeah, that's it. And they try to and this is a shitty movie where they try to set up a sequel where you think James Hong is dead because he drops his amulet in green goo and then puts his face in the green goo. And again, back of the box even is like ends with a lead into the sequel that doesn't exist. Oh man. And it would be just puffy face, James Hong. Like his face was so puffy in that like zombie old man makeup. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I feel like you could do so much more with this. Like what if he turned into a giant grape? 
just a giant grape from all that wine. Oh, yeah, and they squished him and then made more wine. Yeah. Yeah, and then he's possessing people. Then you don't even bring him into the movie. It's that he's just hopping from body to body like uh, Jason goes to hell. Ooh, there you go. Yeah, finally, someone's talking somewhat positively about Jason goes to hell. Yeah, so Vineyard 2, we've got got the (laughs) plot written out. We're ready to rock. Let's do this. It's never going to happen. I just don't. Ha- I just don't have the heart. <laughs> <laughs> I knew it. You know what shocked me is I saw the Arrow Films release this in 2013, but then I noticed it was only for the UK. <laughs> yeah. Well, like, so here's the thing that I always have to remember with this. And uh, it was a piece of advice someone gave me that whatever the worst movie is that you've ever seen, it's probably at least one person's favorite movie of all time. And, you know, there's probably someone in the world who fucking loves the vineyard. You know what I mean? Like there's, there's gotta be one. There's Oh yeah. I'm sure there's one, but you know, there's not even enough nudity in this to, to like, like it for that. You know, I expect they throw it out there right out the gate. That, that shocked me right away. I was like, man, there's like a boob in two minutes. Yeah. But then they kind of like, don't have boobs in there, but they have girls like, you know, barely wearing anything. I honestly thought, you know, right when this started and they're like, hey, look, boob. I was like, oh, no, it's going to be one of these. Yeah. But it's uh, was it? it's <laughs> it's it is a sleazy. See, here's the thing. I want to say all this stuff and it's going to sound like I'm praising the movie. But at the end of the day, it's a bad movie. But it's like a sleazy, bonkers, weird movie. But like, it's never good. Like, it's never. There's one good moment. One. Yeah. Um, and I'm going to save that for the vault. <laughs> well, and there's barely any gore. That's the one good moment is the closest we get to gore. And yeah. even then, it's like someone spraying a ketchup packet. Yeah. <laughs> All right, then. I mean, we introduced it. Let's move on to the museum. This is the second time I've had to reclaim my property from you. That belongs in a museum. So do you. This is the part of the show where we go out like Indy into the film jungle and bring something back for our museum. Matt, what is going in your visitors side of the museum? Good or bad, whatever you want. Acupuncture death. It's a good one. 100%. It's the only moment in this entire movie that for even a split second sparked some type of, oh, hey, in me when I was watching it. So acupuncture death okay mine is my positive one is fat redheaded ivan (laughs) because he chops off that one guy's head and i was like yeah yeah that is a pretty solid moment too the decapitation is not too bad i'll give you that yeah it was one of those two where they they cut away because they probably couldn't afford you know cutting off a mannequin's head i guess but it was such a good like thud sound effect (laughs) it made me laugh but the bad portion of this is listen you can't just put everything in a movie that you found in some like retired special effects man's basement okay you can't i mean you can't throw everything in there i get it james hong you were looking for a real you know a movie that you could pack it just like matt said but you can't do it because it just never really works out, except for that one guy in Canada who likes this. He'll remain nameless. His name is Jerry. Oh, God damn it, Jerry. 
Your bad taste in film. Terrible. Do we count this as a zombie film or what is this? Do Is it a fountain? How do we classify this? This is uh, trash is what we classify it as. Um, but if we had to go with a subgenre, uh, it's it's not zombie enough for it to be zombie. This would like. <sighs> I know it's a tough one, right? Yeah, I don't I don't even know. I guess Fountain of Youth Horror. Is that it? Accidental cannibalism, maybe? Is he selling the blood in the wine that people are like going crazy bidding for? Or is that just regular ass wine? Yeah, ex- I mean, yeah, accidental cannibalism, I could see. Huh. And I'm only saying that because it reminds me so much of Motel Hell, which is like a definitive yeah. accidental cannibalism movie. Well, and the same thing but, with Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2 when he's selling the chili. Yeah. But like those are both movies that are far better to watch than yeah. this. I oh man, this it's like sorcery slash zombie slash accidental cannibalism. So yes, we'll put that in the no one gives a fuck section. <laughs> but so did you did you look at how this was received? Like most of the ratings on Wikipedia say that people kind of liked it. No, there's a lot. I read a lot of you know, just like horror movie, old timey, you know, old timey, I mean, 10 years. Uh, people, when they write on the internets before we had yeah. podcasts and we can talk about it. But yeah, a lot of them are like, oh, as long as you turn off your brain and just accept that none of the questions will be answered, it's a fun movie. And I'm, I like this. I like this sentence. Food and Wine Magazine called it the greatest wine centric B horror movie. Like, you know, that. That popular old genre yeah. of wine-centric B-horror films. I can't, yeah. I don't think that exists. I think this is the only one. <laughs> like, what? I, I'm just saying, like, I, I understand the line where you have to turn off your brain to enjoy it. But with this one, I can't accept the, as long as you understand, none of the questions will be answered. I just don't like that. Like when a film frustrates me with uh, with questions, I just can't do it. It's not going to be a good film ever in my mind. Well, I can't say that. I'm sure there's one out there, but this one is not it. All right. Real quick. I went to Food and Wine's website. So their article was five reasons why the Vineyard is the greatest wine centric B horror film that you can stream this Halloween. These are their top five reasons. Number one, it's a James Hong production. Number two. It's a horror movie about wine. Number three, there are boobs. Number four, the hero is a journalist. And number five, you don't know have to know anything about wine to be able to watch it. Those are some of the lowest standards yeah. I've ever seen. Was this a high school writer? <laughs> I mean, like, uh, foodandwine.com. Yeah, you guys aren't. Uh, that's it's not high praise from uh, Analog Jones here. Your your list is trash. It's pretty bad. Pretty pretty bad. <sighs> that's pretty much gonna wrap it up in the vineyard. I knew this would be a short episode because there's just nothing on this film. No, it's a 90 minute movie that no one talks about except for foodandwine.com. and it's only got about five to ten minutes of actual plot inside of it, and even that is all muddled and confusing and the special effects are nothing to write home about. And most of the kills aren't anything to write home about. So it really does leave you with very little to really cling to and have a nice, good in-depth discussion on, but man, what a VHS cover. 
Yeah, at least it's good. Uh, mine, where the lightning's coming out of the ears, and yours is where it's coming out of the wine glass. Either way, pretty damn exciting. Yeah. All right. Well, um, you can listen to us on anything that provides podcasts, I think. Uh, I don't really go through them individually, but iTunes, Podbean, you know what they are. Uh, catch us on YouTube. I'll put a couple clips from this movie up on there. And trust me, it won't be hard to find the exciting ones because they're barely there. Mm-hmm. But I will put that dance. That dance is going up because everyone needs to watch that. I was positive that's what you were going to put in the museum. I didn't want to say anything, but I thought for sure. Yeah. scene was going to be the museum. I had to go piece. negative, though, because I'm, I'm kind of the negative guy in the podcast just because everyone else, both mats that I invite on are so positive. See, but that's the problem is that I know you in real life and you're not a very negative person usually. So it, it seems so out of character to me. Oh, really? Well, I complained about the Playboy Playmate not having any boobs in this. Why do you get a Playboy Playmate and not have her have boobs? I mean, she has boobs, but show boobs. I'm, I mean, that is a valid complaint. But yeah. OK, fair enough. You can be the negative guy. I'm just saying. Don't be fooled, listeners. Yeah. Steven's a very positive, upbeat human being. Shit. Don't tell him my secret. It's all an act. It is. Uh, you can catch Matt on um, pretty much the podcast that inspired us to have a podcast on Horror Movie Night. Aww. But you'll probably uh, maybe want to advertise some of your other ones. Well, so at this point, there's only two now. Uh, the Boy Meets World one has been officially axed just because it was a lot of work for little reward. Um, but yes, uh, Horror Movie Night, HMMPodcast.com, uh, where... I don't know when this episode's coming out, but we are just a day away from dropping our 200th episode at the time that we're recording, which is fucking wild. It's wild to think that we've done 200 episodes. Um, And there is the Disneyto podcast, which just passed 50 episodes last month. Um, And that is two of my friends. They get drunk on wine. Ooh, what a tie in Uh, and talk about Disney. So. Really, I mean, now that I'm thinking about it, I love The Vineyard. It's the perfect movie for me to talk about both podcasts that I work on with one film. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Did you, uh, did you catch Aladdin? I did. And uh, I don't know what the critics have been shitting on so much because for the most part, I thought it was delightful. I just didn't. I was numb. I'm like, okay. I, see, I mean, I like Will Smith, but that's not fair. I'm like the yeah. biggest Will Smith fan. So it's it's just very inoffensive. Like the way that people have been acting about it. You think that this movie like stormed into everybody's house and set their actual copy of Aladdin on fire. Like it did what it was supposed to do. I don't think that my biggest complaint about Aladdin is that for some reason, the genie and Aladdin do this weird talk singing instead of just singing for most of their songs. And that bothered me a bunch. But otherwise, I had a good time. It's not, you know, it's not going to be my top 10 of the year or anything, but I didn't hate that I watched it. Yeah, if I had to review it, it would just be like, eh, you know, I like those songs in the past. They're OK now. Uh, kind of yeah. wondering why they're why they're all so clean all the time. That was kind of just, you know, I was like, you know, he's a street rat. How about we get him a little dirty? Yeah, throw a little bit of dirt up in there. So when he's Prince Ali, it's like, oh, that's that beautiful face. Yes. That was hidden behind all that dirt. But really, it was like the most like did what it needed to do. I just really think people were searching for for a reason to hate it. Yeah, I'm way more excited for Lion King. I I have a feeling that the Lion King is going to be like 
is going to be so close to the original cartoon brought to life that I'm going to have kind of similar feelings to like, there was a moment when I watched the beauty and the beast live action, which I know a lot of people dislike and it's totally understandable why they would, but there's a shot where Emma Watson is singing bell up in, in the giant field. And it's such a beautiful recreation of that animated scene that like for a split second, my heart was just like, Oh my God. Like it was just, I never thought I would see something from animation brought to life so perfectly. And I have a feeling that that's how I'm going to feel when I walk away from the Lion King is that it's just going to really bring back all of that nostalgia for me. Um, Whereas Aladdin was just kind of there. It was different enough that it didn't feel like I was watching a carbon copy, but it was also similar enough that I didn't feel like I was being challenged by anything new. Print it up boys. Right from Matt Kelly. Aladdin was there. Just there. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I'll tell you what. Can we talk about the fact that uh, in like a month we're going to be hanging out? Yeah. We haven't seen each other in like a year. So it's going to be incredible. I have never been to San Diego Comic-Con and I get to go as a, you know, a representation of Geekscape. And I get to hang out with Matt Kelly. I mean, I get to hang out with so many people that... Who knows if I ever would have got to meet if I didn't do this podcast and join Geekscape. And you've got the press credentials. And I mean, that's the next month is going to be your inbox is going to take a beating over this next month is like you just start getting press information after press information, interview opportunity after interview opportunity. So it's going to be a good time. I will just be hanging out at the booth. (laughs) Oh, you're just going to you're just going to be chilling at the booth. Like a, yeah, I'm an exhibitor, not a press, so I don't get to do too much press stuff. But that's fine, because we have some pretty cool people lined up that are going to be signing at the table throughout the weekend. Um, I know that uh, ones that I feel confident enough to to officially announce is that we're going to have JTRO from uh, FP and FP2 at the table. Awesome. Uh, Becca and Dave McKendry of All the Creatures We're Stirring and the Shockwaves podcast will be hanging out with us. Um, Ashley and Jason. From Geek History Lesson, I believe Mega Ran will also be hanging out at our table for a little bit. Uh, and then there's a shit ton of other people that we're uh, still in communication with to try to figure out. But those are the ones that are kind of mainstays. It looks like uh, Sean and Rudy from the Monster Squad will be joining us for a day. But, uh, you know, the official list will be out soon. But those are some of the names that we've been talking to have been very receptive to joining us. So who knows? Who knows what adventures Matt and Steve will get into. <laughs> All I know is I, I wish you would interview someone as Dusty Rhodes. I mean, maybe, maybe one day. That'd be so, or at least over the phone. Hey, it's Dusty Rhodes here. <laughs> you Jezebel. <just> <laughs> that would be amazing because you, I think you could trick someone. I can't. I can't lie. Uh, there is a radio show that I listen to that actually does Dusty and inter- Dusty Rhodes interviews. So I can't fully do it. I'd feel like I was stealing from their sh- their bit. But shit. Yeah, Dusty Rhodes. God bless him. I miss him. He was. He was a. He was a true king of the ring. Fun as hell. All right, that's gonna end it for this week. Thank you for joining us. Like I said, you can catch us on you know whatever you want that has podcasts and uh, you know get ready for. The Geeks uh, Geekscape Squad being in uh, San Diego Comic Con. All right, and remember to be kind. Rewind. Bam! I thought for a second you forgot. No, I used to have to rewind the tapes. 
Hey, do you guys like horror movies? I do. Do they always have to be good movies? No way. I prefer them to be crap, personally. Well, then you guys are in luck because Horror Movie Night is your expert podcast on both horror movies, good, bad, and gooey. It's just a show of three friends. Brother. Yeah, two brothers and a friend, I, I think you would call it. But we're also, we're all friends here. You know, We're friends. We we're all around. friends here. Yeah. We're friends. We goof around. But we, we, talk about, we talk about movies, but we normally don't actually talk about movies, which is kind of weird. <laughs> it's, it's a weird mm-hmm. dynamic. You have to really listen to understand it. But we put together a show every Friday morning. You can find our show, hmnpodcast.com. Uh, we're part of the Geekscape Network. We are... You know, we're good guys. Just check us out. We're good, silly guys. We're, we're fun. Please like me. Please. <laughs> That's pretty Please. much the emphasis of everything we do is to be accepted. We want to yeah. be loved. HMMPodcast.com.